as we continue in our, um, in our series, we're looking at the journey to completion. And that journey to completion is, um, is one that we've been looking at through the, the letter to James. And um, there's no signal. It's all good. It's all up here. So we've been looking at the, the letter to James. And last week we looked at the idea of what is living faith and how important is it for us to have a living faith and that a living faith is the faith that saves us. And so as we looked at that, we looked at as we have this living faith, it, it allows us to stay alive, but it also gives us yearning to obey. And so this week, I'd like to jump into 2 Peter uh, chapter 1 to expand on that a little bit. As we continue to look at this journey to completion, we'll jump out of James, jump back in there next week. But the idea that this journey to completion seeks to confirm the call of God. So as we look at the idea of what it means to yearn to obey, to yearn to obey in many ways is to seek to confirm this call of God on our lives. Now that's what we're looking for here today. And um, many times we can, we can get confused when we use words that, that have like a churchy meaning to them and, and sometimes bringing those into general conversation can be really hard. And so there's words we use in the church that we all kind of know what they mean, but it's really hard to explain what they really mean. And you know, words like glory, you know? I mean, glory is this, huge concept and, and, and we use that word and, and we use words like reconciliation and, and these words. And another word that we use, it's a really small word, but has a whole lot of depth and meaning to it is this word call. And sometimes we can over-spiritualize that, sometimes we can under-spiritualize it, but it's this idea of what does it mean to have the call of God on your life? And maybe you've wondered that yourself. And um, so as we look at that, we can look at different, th- different situations in Scripture where we can see that there were specifically individuals who were particularly called. Okay, we can think of Moses, right, who was clearly called by God to lead the people out of Egypt. And I kind of relate to Moses because he had three distinct segments of his life about 40 years each, that were really distinct, but they were all part of the call of God on his life. And so we think of Moses having a call, we think of Samson having a call, we think of of, um, Jeremiah getting a call to be a prophet when he was like a teenager. And it's like, wow, think about that. And, And then we can think of the call of Jonah. God called to Jonah and gave Jonah a specific call and Jonah kind of turned from that, and we, we understand that. And we can think of David when it came time to anoint a new king, and, and Samuel went and went to the house of Jesse and started going through all the sons, and, and every one of them wasn't the one who was called. And then finally, you got any more? Well, there's one. He's kind of watching sheep, though. Well, let's see him. And he comes, and it's that's the one that God called. And I think of the New Testament. You think of Saul, 
being called to be the apostle to the Gentiles. So we see in scripture that there's, there's uh, times and places where God specifically puts a call on a person for something. But as well in scripture, we see that God actually gives a broader call. He gives a call to the nation of Israel. He calls them out and calls them his chosen people, a chosen race. And, and so as we see that he, they were called to be a kingdom of priests and that they were to show the world what it meant to worship God. And then in the New Testament, we see that the church is also called as a group of people. We are called out to be an assembly. That word ecclesia means to be a called out assembly. And, and there's something that happens as we assemble together to, to seek that call that God has on our lives. So as we look at this idea of calling and as we try to determine what does it mean for us, maybe particularly on this weekend for Beth and Addison, but we're going to see that, that God has a calling on each life here. And so let's take a look at this passage and see what, see what we have to say. The first thing we see as we're on this journey to completion that seeks to confirm the call of God is that precious promises have been granted. Precious promises have been granted. And we see that right in the very beginning of 2 Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, uh, Simeon Peter, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. So Peter starts out here with a really special, special statement. And in the ESV, it gets a little harder to pick it out. It says, to those who obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. But maybe you have the NIV translation. And I think in the NIV translation, it gives a little bit more clarity to this word that, that's only used one time in Scripture. The, the original word for here is this the only place it's found in Scripture. And, and NIV says that you've received a faith as precious as ours, of equal privilege. Now, that's a great place to start. When we start talking about this living faith and this journey to completion, and we begin to look at what that means and what it looks like, one of the really great things to begin with is to realize just how precious your faith is. Peter comes and says, you have received, obtained, a faith that is as precious as ours. It has an equal privilege with ours. And so as you think about that, your faith is as precious as the faith that Peter had. The faith that every person who's ever trusted Christ as their savior, there's a preciousness to that faith. And I wonder, as I looked at that verse this week and really prayed over it, poured over it, how often do we treat our faith as precious? My prayer is that each one of you have come to a point in your life where you've realized that your sin has separated you from God. That the things that you've chosen to do in your life that are not pleasing to God have actually separated you from him irreparably. And it's also brought his wrath into your life. And you know that. 
at the end of the day, each one of us knows that those things that we've done that are not pleasing to God alienate us from him. And they become a weight upon us. We all know we've done things that we need to be forgiven for. And we can seek that forgiveness and, and, and it brings shame into our life. It brings guilt into our lives. And we know that we're in error. And we can carry that weight. And as we carry that weight, God's asking, turn to me. Turn to me and ask for forgiveness. And see, as you come to a place in your life where you realize that you've been separated from God and you realize that in order to be in relationship with God, you must be forgiven, you turn to him and you say, God, I know I have no right to ask this, but I ask that you would forgive me. I ask that you would have the death of Jesus pay the penalty that I owe. And I ask that you would forgive me and I ask that you would allow me to be in a right standing with you. And the amazing thing is, is as you turn to God in that way, as you repent from doing things your own way, as you repent from choosing what you believe is right for your life, and as you turn to God and say, God, I understand and know you made me, and you know me, and you created me to be in relationship with you. As you turn from your sin, and as you turn to follow him, and as you repent, and as you give control of him to your life, you will find a living faith come into your life. And that faith is an amazing gift from God, and it is precious. And you know, as well as I do, if you come to that place in your life, you know the load that is lifted when you realize your sins have been forgiven. And you are able to stand before God forgiven and in right standing before him. Can I get a witness? And so as we look at this, Peter's saying, listen, before I even start talking to you, I need to say, you've got a precious faith. You have an incredibly precious gift, and that is the faith that has saved you. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Okay, we live in a depraved world. We live in a world that's broken. We live in a world that's fallen. And because we're in that depraved world, we have this constant influence of that. But this verse says that the divine power of God has come into our lives. See, when you trust Christ as your Savior, when you ask for that forgiveness, the divine power of God comes into your life. And that power comes into your life to grant you all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things, not some things, not, not a few things, all things. Everything you need that's pertinent for you to be able to live the life that God has designed for you to live, the, the life of freedom from sin. See, the, the life that God has designed for you to live is the life of godliness. It's piety, it's pureness, it's holiness. You see, that life is a liberating life. It's a free life. 
because it's free from those the sins that wear us down and bear us down. And so God, in his divine power, has granted us everything we need so that we could live godly lives. And he's done that through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory. Now this becomes really important. It's the knowledge of him. All right, it's, it's not knowing about him, it's knowing him. And that speaks to intimacy. See, and a lot of us avoid intimacy. We've had things in our lives that have happened and we've gotten hurt and we've gotten, we've gotten burned and, and there's things we've gotten rejected and people have said things to us and we've tried to be who we feel we, we are and somebody hasn't liked that and so we've realized that we need to pretend and we need to put up these walls and so it's really hard to break through those things and step into intimacy where we're transparent and open with each other and we're able to share these things and we can carry each other's burdens and, and that's what we're constantly striving for in the church is to to remove judgment, have mercy triumph over judgment, to be able to be a place where people can, can come and expose these things. But intimacy is hard. And intimacy with others is really hard if you don't have an intimacy with Jesus. And see, a lot of times people sit and listen to things about Jesus. And they know about him, but they don't know him. And you can't know him intimately by sitting and listening to people talk about him. Now that's part of it, but it's not until you seek him and you seek to know him intimately that you'll know him. And I spent a lot of years in my life knowing a whole lot about Jesus. I knew about the Bible, I knew about Jesus, and I knew about what, what everything was. But it wasn't until that point in my life where I began to pour myself into finding out who he is that I started memorizing scripture, that I, I started to learn what it means to, to let scripture read you and, and enter into this intimacy with Jesus, this knowledge of him. That, that strengthens in me everything that he's given to me, all the things that he's given to me that pertain to life and godliness. And in those are the precious promises that he's given to us. And he's given those, he's given those precious promises, this is really exciting, so that we can be partakers of the divine nature. Wow, Right? Like, who am I? Who are you that we should be partakers of the divine nature of God? How, how is that? These precious promises that God has given you, your precious faith, have made it possible for you to be in Christ and Christ to be in you. In John 17, the night that Jesus was betrayed, he prayed that we would be one with him the way that he's one with the Father. We are partic- We don't become God. 
but we become partakers of the very nature of God. And it's as we become intimately involved with Jesus, as we become intimately aware of who he is in our life, in the presence of God in our lives, that we begin to, to realize what it means to walk with him. And we begin to be overwhelmed with the knowledge of him in our lives. And we begin to live these lives that are, are in lockstep with him and we're taking part in the divine nature of God, walking through our day, making decisions that God would have us make. And whew, it's like amazing, these precious promises that we've been given from God. And so what is it that's precious in your life? What are the precious things that you're holding on to? And how are they keeping you from being a partaker of the divine nature of God? The journey to completion seeks to confirm the call of God. Precious promises have been granted. A determined direction is the response. Once you see these precious promises, once you begin to grab hold of these precious promises, all of a sudden you begin to have a determined direction. You have purpose. And that purpose is expressed in these next verses. For this very reason, Peter says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Virtue, knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brother affection, and brotherly affection with love. First he starts out and he says, listen, make every effort. See, you may think that, that a saving faith is like, do I go to heaven when you die? Yes. Okay, ask Jesus in your heart. I'm good. Okay. But it's more than that. It is so much more than that. It, it's an effort. Peter says, listen, make every effort to do this. Make every effort to supplement, to supplement your faith with virtue. Now that word virtue is a powerful word. It's the same word that's used in verse three and is translated excellence. It's only used five times in scripture and three of those are here in Peter. And each time it has this, this sense of excellence. So, so he's saying to make every effort to supplement your faith with the excellence of God. Now how? You're partakers in the divine nature. That's how, see in a way, we look at this passage. How many of you have ever seen this passage before? Lots of you. So you all understand it perfectly. Yay. Okay, so, so we can look at this, right? And sometimes we look at this passage and the way it's written, we, we start out and we think, okay, so I've got my faith. And that's where I start, right? And the faith is a gift from God. It's precious. It's really good, right? And so now we're going to add to our faith virtue, Next step. Now we've got this excellence thing going on. Okay, in virtue, knowledge. Okay, I've got that. Knowledge, self-control, self-control. Okay, good, steadfastness. And godliness, I'm out of steps. But as you look and you can think, well, this passage builds on itself. But I want to say to you that I believe it's something different. I believe what we're seeing here is Peter's take on what the fruit of the Spirit is. Okay, so now you think about Paul when he writes in Galatians, and he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so Peter here, I believe, is doing the same thing. 
He's letting you know, listen, there's a fruit of the Spirit that comes to us. When you, oh, it's so cool. I just... I just long for us to get this. This is so powerful. The preciousness of Jesus in our lives and who he is. And this comes into our lives. Listen, when the divine nature comes into your life, the divine nature is excellence. It's knowledge. It's patience. It's self-control. All of these things are in our lives. And And it is amazing to think that as hard as you ran away from God, he came into your life and he revealed himself to you and he placed his spirit in your life and he's placed these things into your life. And Peter's like, listen, let these things grow in your life. If these qualities are yours and increasing, They keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, that intimacy that you have with the Lord as you you become aware of his presence, as you begin to live your life for Jesus, it, it becomes that knowledge of him reveals itself in these virtues that that just continue to grow. They take you over. Your old self is eliminated slowly, bit by bit, and your new self begins to take shape. And, And pretty soon, people are asking you, what's your deal? What's up with you? You know, because something happens to you that you have every right to respond in a certain way, and you respond differently. You know, you're driving along the road and a tire blows out and you jump out of the car and say, thank you, Lord. And the people in the car go, what is with you? And somebody says something to you that really hurts. It really does. And they meant it to hurt. And you wish good for that person. Because that's virtuous. That's excellent. It's what Jesus does. And you see, we begin to live our lives that way. It's what we're called to. We begin to live our lives in such a way that people say, what's going on with you? And you answer with one word, Jesus. Jesus happened to me. And you know those people who you can tell they've been with Jesus. And they have this determined direction to live their lives for him. The journey completion. It seeks to confirm the call of God. Precious promises have been granted. A determined uh, direction is the response. A rich reward is on the line. Amen, John. Oh, I am so glad you're back, brother. (laughs) A rich reward is on the line. This is so powerful. Listen, Peter says, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. In this way, there will be richly provided for you 
an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, that last verse. Richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior. I can't wait to get to that entrance that has been richly provided. To either jump into the arms of Jesus or fall down before him, or maybe I do them both at the same time. I don't know what that's gonna look like, but those of us, we have been created for this very purpose, 2 Corinthians 5. We have been designed for this purpose that what is mortal could be swallowed up by life, and, and we will be going through this entrance into the eternal heaven, the eternal kingdom of our Lord Savior Jesus Christ. But in the while, we're here and we're working for him and we need to be all the more diligent. See, he says in, in, in verse five, he says, make every effort. And then he says, be all the more diligent. Make every effort and then more to confirm your calling and election. Now, here we go. Here it is, the calling and election that you've received. In Ephesians chapter four, Paul puts it this way. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. The calling to which you've been called. And here it is. This is the, this is the amazing part of this. That word, calling, in, in some of your translations, it may be translated as vocation. Now, you know what a vocation is, right? You have a vocation. Could be, could be a, a, a wife, could be an electrician, could be a well driller, could be a school teacher, could be, you know, farmer, could be, what is it? You have a vocation. But it also has the allusion to avocation. And avocation is what do you do with your leisure time? What's your hobby? So the idea here that Paul's trying to communicate to us is this unbelievable truth that everything you do as a follower of Jesus is in response to the call. And what is the call? Follow me. That's the call. Jesus when he came, he said, I came to seek and save the lost. And when he saw the lost, he said to them, follow me. That's the call. The call of God on your life. Follow me. Listen, if you have responded to the call of Jesus, if you have asked for God to forgive you, if you've turned from your life of sin, turned to a life of righteousness, if you've said, God, I give you my life and, and I take the life of Jesus and, and you have the divine power of God in you, who follow me. That's the call. And the calling is making sure you do that, that you follow Jesus wherever you are, whatever you're doing. As we look at Addison and Beth and we wonder, are they supposed to be here? Sometimes we can think of it like there's a room like this and, and there's all these doors that line the room. And, and, and we can think that as we're seeking for calling, what we're seeking is, God, which door am I supposed to walk through? Which door is the door that you have for me? But the question isn't so much which door is the door that you have for me as it is, who will you walk through that door with? Will you walk through that door with Jesus? Whatever door it is, Whatever door it is, will you walk through that door with Jesus? And having Jesus walk with you, 
Or are you just trying to randomly choose the door? He has a call on his life. It's been amazing the process to see the call that they have on their lives. Their parents have raised them to be in ministry. They're going to be serving somewhere. Maybe this is the door. Maybe it isn't. But somewhere, they're going to walk with Jesus and do what God's called them to do. I believe with all my heart God has called me to be here right now. But sometimes we get confused and we say, well, I walked through that door and on the other side of the door it was hard. So that must not have been the door that Jesus had for me, right? Let's look at Paul's call. Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings before the people of Israel. Amen. Isn't that a great call? Could you imagine being Saul, getting that call? To be the chosen instrument of God, to carry the name before the Gentiles. Let's hear the rest of the story. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. See, there's times we walk through that door, and we walk through that door with Jesus, and on the other side, it's hard. How many of you have made decisions and you've walked through doors and it's been hard? And you can be absolutely sure that Jesus had you walk through that door. But see, the calling is to make Jesus clear. To make it clear that Jesus is with you wherever you are. That's the calling. You don't have to separate out school and work and church and, and marriage. and it, Those things aren't separated. They're all together. That's you with Jesus doing your life. Us with Jesus doing our life. That's our calling. Our calling is to respond to the call. And the call comes from Jesus. Follow me. And we say, where? Where do you want me to go? And I'm ready. And I'm ready to sacrifice whatever that means because you have called me higher and you have called me deeper and I could just sit and I could just stay home. But I have come to know who you are. And I want to make you known. Lord God, as you look at our lives and you look at who we are, you know each person in this room. And I thank you and praise you, Lord, as I look out over this room. I see a group of people who are living out their calling. There's a group of people here who love to make you known. And God, help us do it more. Help us encourage each other to do it more. Help us be looking for ways to do it more. Lord, when we get all wrapped up in our, in our stuff and we begin to think about all of our burdens and our issues and our problems, Lord, just remind us Remind us how precious it is that we have you in our lives. Pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. May I please ask you to stand and hear God's good word for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you.
and give you peace. Amen. Kohlers are over here. They're going to be the rock stars tonight at 6 o'clock. They have riveting reports for us. And so I'd encourage you to come back from their two years in the Czech Republic. God sightings all over the place. Uh, I hope you know how much I love you and love serving the Lord with you. And I pray that he'll use us as we go out into a week of work, witness, and worship. God bless.